0: Yo, what is going on? Howie Spangler here. Uh, Tales from the Green Room, episode number 95. Today we're going to talk about uh, a song called Doing Work from the Force of Habit EP. I just released it a couple weeks ago. Um, and uh, this is the track-by-track track series. So if you did, if you missed the first one uh, about the song All I Ever Wanted, that's episode 94. So go check it out. Um, first, Hope Everybody's Wonderful. Getting closer and closer to Christmas. Is anybody ready for Christmas? Because I am not ready for Christmas. Like these kids will not tell me what they want. Like I, don't, I don't understand. Like, and then you give Halo my daughter. Like, give her like the the catalog, and she just circles everything. You know, so it's like not helpful. And my son just wants V Bucks on Fortnite. It's like, dude, come on, man. And then he wants that, and he wants an iPhone 11. So yeah, so that's not fucking happening, bro. Sorry. That's how I talk to my kids. Listen, bro. That's not fucking happening. And he's like, all right, dad, chill. Jesus. Jeez. Take it down and dial it back, Pacino, huh? So um <clears throat> I don't talk to my kids like that. Um Yeah, so uh Stoked to talk about this uh this EP today, man. Um if anybody uh is coming to the secret show tonight, come say what's up. It's me and Brandon from Bumpin' Uglies. We're gonna do uh some sets acoustic at uh secrets and uh it's for their, their customer appreciation pre- appreciation appreciation. Um as well as the uh Ocean 98 radio listener appreciation. Appre- why do I keep saying appreciation? I appreciate you. I appreciate you Uh, So that's weird I can't talk anymore Um, Putting a tour together Me Chris from Less Than Jake uh, Jason from Authority Zero Gabriel from Fayuca, And the Meager Kings from Ohio I'm not putting it together But I'm helping With stuff Uh, so that's happening next month. We're going to be on the West coast, Arizona, California, New Mexico as well. I think, uh, Colorado, I'm not going to be in Colorado, maybe even New Mexico. I'm not sure. Uh, I'll have dates posted, uh, very soon, but it's happening at the end of next month. Um, when, uh, when Ballyhoo gets back from this, uh, Virgin Islands trip in January. Um, so be on the lookout for that. It's going to be a fun show. It's all acoustic. We're cruising around can't wait to get back to that I'll have more merch on sale as well so um fear not fear not uh so look out for that and what else is going on what else is happening here I'm fumbling through paperwork dude I've been I have been crushing it with this uh this shipping stuff like I got a little printer. I use Rollo, the Rollo printer. If anybody's like looking to ship from home, grab a Rollo printer. They don't pay me for this. They don't even know who I am. I just have this and I appreciate it so much. I had a Dymo and it was weird. So like I got this Rollo, man. It is nice. It is. It's like a little compact little thing sits on the desk. You've probably seen it in my videos, uh, Instagram, YouTube. But um, I've, I've printed almost 80 labels and this thing is just hasn't batted an eye. Super easy and fun. Very fulfilling when it comes out and I slap it on the envelope there. Got a scale so I know how much everything weighs. I get the proper postage with stamps.com. Who does not pay me, but probably should. Uh <clears throat> I got like uh six or seven shirts left. XLs. If anybody wants an XL, you can go to howiespangler.com slash merch. And I've got about 13 CDs Make that 12 I just saw an order come in Just now While we're speaking um, About 12 CDs left now I'm signing all of them It's the first 100 And uh, I've been super surprised And happy with how fast they're going out Thank you very much They look great too, man They're, they're like Really crisp And the art looks good on them And got a barcode on there uh, Yeah, so if you want to grab that I got stickers as well um, so yeah, hit me up. Let's, uh, let's hang out. Uh, speaking of let's hang out, I'm going to try to do that next week. Um, get back to that cause I missed it this week. So I'm gonna try to get back down on the, back to that on the YouTube channel. Send me some requests. Let me know what you want to hear. Go to my YouTube channel, subscribe, Howie Spangler, hit that bell. So, you know, when I go live and, uh, it'll probably be sometime. I usually do it on Wednesdays at like 8 PM. Everybody gets off work. We got West coasters, you know? Okay. Uh, Ballyhoo shows at the end of the month as well, BallyhooRocks.com for, for uh, ticket information. I'm going to go out with Bad Fish, do some shows right after Christmas and a little bit after uh, New Year's Eve as well, uh, New Year's, so like the first week of January, so look for that. Okay, let's get to this damn podcast, okay? Enough bullshit, enough talk, okay? I talk way too much as it is. You guys wanna, You guys came here for information. You want to know why the hell... Why I had the audacity to put this album out, and I'm going to explain myself to you because you deserve it. You deserve answers. Okay. Today we're talking about doing work and sort of the uh, sort of like the theme of how like this whole thing came about to begin with, and like why I do what I do. Honestly, it's because of love. I do it for love. And it's made a lot of great things happen in my life. Dude, I just realized something. Oh my God. Bombshell shocker right now. Dude, I spelled friends wrong. Oh my goodness. Okay, friends is F-R-I-E-N-D-S, right? Oh my God. Dude, no fucking way I just I spelled friends wrong I cannot unsee this I am like (laughs) Fuck me Oh my god Okay, okay Guys So the first 100 CDs Has the word Friends spelled wrong Track 4 you're going to see it for yourself when you get it. Oh man, I got to change that before the next pressing. Jesus Christ. You know, just when you think you're crushing life. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Ah. Oh, I look like an idiot now. I look like an idiot. Look, they're going to you're going to get the CD. Everybody's going to get the CD in the mail. I just sent off like 85 CDs in the in the last two days. People are gonna get this and they're gonna be like, This guy can't fucking he's a fucking idiot. This guy can't spell. Like. Oh man. Awesome. Okay, well then. So that's so that's something. That's new. I can't unsee that now. That like upsets me. I got this weird uh I haven't been diagnosed with OCD, but I got to have something like that. Okay. I'm going to move on. And this is definitely going to come up again when I talk about that song two episodes from now. (laughs) Ah, Christ. All right. Let's get to the podcast. Let's go. Let's go. Roll the tape. Roll the music. Let's go. So today I'm going to talk about uh, a song called "Doing Work." Um, this was from the uh, from the new album that I just put out a couple weeks ago. Um, it's called "The Force of Habit," and "Doing Work" is kind of like the uh, it's sort of the the theme around. I guess the whole reason this album came together, um, and it's, uh, basically I wanted to tell a story about, uh, the band and, um, sort of like I wanted to pick like an era that was, uh, there was a lot of weird things happening, a lot of ups, some weird downs. And, um, so I kind of went from the, from the time we started touring until like the mid 2010s, like around the daydreams era and a little bit after that, because that's really when things started to really pop off is when we started touring. Um, and I can't stress enough for, for a band, like bands ask me all the time, like, so how did you guys get to where you are? Like, how did you, you know, what did you do? And like, the first thing I say is like, get out of town, you know? Um, it's great. You, you definitely want to like build up your markets. You want to, um, you want to play it, play at home and, and build it up as much as possible, but you also want it to be an event. You don't want it to be something that gets oversaturated and weird. So, um, you know, then you start to lose the, it starts to lose its mystique and like the value, um, of, of what you're doing. So, um, I, I, tell people to tour as much as possible. And, um, that doesn't mean you have to go all over the country right away. Like you start kind of like, you know, we're from Maryland. So we started in Maryland and, um, played wherever we could here. And then, you know we're where we are we're lucky because um, we're like right between Philly, New York, uh, Virginia, DC. Um, you know we have a lot of places we can go within a short amount of time and that's that's really nice. That's one of the good things about being on the East Coast for sure. once you get west, it's like everything's really far away, it's spread out. Um, but so we started playing Philly and that's like an hour from home. you know we started playing Northern Virginia it's, that's an hour um Baltimore is a half hour away you know so um and and the best thing to do is to to do gig swaps you know like you find other bands that are similar to your style and um make friends and and start playing shows in each other's towns like they give you a show you give them a show you know and that worked out really well for us back in the beginning so once i realized that it was just time like you know, we'd been a band already uh, 11 years when we started touring. Um, we did like kind of a like a practice run in 2005 uh, with a band called Rude Buddha and another band called Can't Hang. Just really good bands from, from the area here. And uh, they took us down. We did like four shows in a row in... Um, like North Carolina it kind of bounced around the state a little bit. And that was like our first taste of getting away from home and like being, being like five to like seven hours away from home for the first time was like really exciting and, uh, and trippy and awesome. You know, it felt like we were like really doing it. And we borrowed, um, our bass player at the time we borrowed his dad's van to go do it. So that was kind of like our first little little test run. And then we, uh, we just sort of like, we knew what we had to do from that point. And that was like the summer of 05, I think. And um, did like Outer Banks and some other spots. And so in 2006, I was, well, we'd already, so I started, I started getting with the Rude Buddha guys and this band called 33 West and we um one guy from each band kind of took over booking duties for uh certain shows certain markets and we ended up con- constructing a a 6 week tour around the country and we went you know up to up to Boston out to Ohio and Chicago and Michigan um down to Florida the Carolinas all the way out to Texas. And that was huge. And so many bad things happened, you know, on that tour, we didn't get paid several nights, you know, and when we did get paid, it was really, really bad. Like, um, I remember one time we played in, uh, in Rhode Island, we played there and (laughs) we had like three shows in a row. Um, well, oh, this is actually separate from that. Um, the Rhode Island thing, we got, yeah, the, the three bands got 15 bucks. So five bucks a band. That's how much we got paid. And um, and then uh, we went out to Chicago and like, we did like, not Chicago, is like Illinois, uh, out, out, outskirts of Chicago. And so we did one in Illinois, like Mokina, I think. And then we shot over to Detroit. And then back to Illinois and it was like roughly the same spot we were in. So like we made this like eight hour trip. It was, it was just like dumb, but we were excited. We didn't get paid for any of those shows, all three, all three shows in a row. I remember Detroit specifically, we played um, the old Miami, I think it was called. And uh, we'd sat out all day um, just like, freezing and had the vans kind of pulled next to each other with a tarp between the middle of them and we were cooking like a big can of beans on on a grill um so that that was uh that was interesting for sure um it was like i can't imagine going back to that today you know um it's kind of starting out that now i'm almost 40 years old but uh it was definitely an exciting time and um You know, we lost so much money. The van caught on fire on that tour. Um, It was just a mess. (laughs) So I can't stress enough to like to get out of town and really like really put yourself out there. You have to you have to take risks, you know, to to make leaps forward. And some, sometimes it doesn't feel like a leap. Sometimes it feels like baby steps, you know, and it is a lot of time. Um, but if I feel like if you want big, grand things to happen, you need to make big, grand moves, you know, bold moves. And um, so, and, and I definitely try to be informed to make informed decisions. Uh, Knee jerk reactions aren't exactly the best thing. Um, And, you know, you, at the same time, go with your gut. Maybe your first feeling is the right thing, but there's, I think there's a fine line there between that and a knee-jerk reaction of just like, okay, like whatever. Um, So try to make informed decisions about what you're doing when you're, when you're setting up tours and, um, you know, try to make sure you got a tour manager that's like advancing and talking to all these promoters and making sure that you're, you're, everything's running smooth and you're going to be there when you're supposed to be there and they're going to have the crew and you're getting paid what you're supposed to get paid and, uh, you know, they're taking care of you a case, case of water, a case of beer, maybe some food, you know, if not try to get buyouts, stuff like that. I can do a whole podcast about touring in itself, but, um, so I digress. Uh, so yeah, we started touring in 06 and things really started moving. Like I could feel like we were on our, we've just released our second record, do it for the money. And that one sort of put us on the map, like Cali Girls on there, Cerveza, The Quest. There's some, there's some like some bangers on there that uh, we had to play every night because word was getting around. Um, and then uh, we released in 2008, we released Cheers, and it was just another step in the right direction. It was like, uh, it was. People, I mean, people started, we singing the songs. we were getting people coming to the shows. Um, we were selling some tickets, you know, things were really moving along. And then, you know, we started seeing these other bands. The more we got out there, we started seeing these other bands that uh, were doing like the same kind of sound, like this reggae rock sound. Um, and to me, it was all based off, off of Sublime, you know? Um, and so it was like 10 years after Sublime, this is what you have. And there was this whole movement happening. And it was very small. And um, I remember in 2011, we were on our way to the tour with Pepper, the first tour with Pepper. And uh, we routed out there and we had a few shows on the way out to make a little money. And uh, we stopped in St. Louis. And we had been in St. Louis like, I don't know, a year before that, a year and a half before that, a couple times, I think. And we were like, eh, let's not go to St. Louis anymore. Like nobody cares, you know? nobody was showing up. And then we happened to stop in to play and there were like two reggae rock bands opening for us. And I was like blown away because there was nothing before that, you know, no one had heard about any of this music and suddenly the place is packed and there's two reggae rock bands playing. And, um, it was, it was, uh, it was a nice surprise. Um, which is another thing that I can go into about, you know, if you're a local band and you want to make some noise, you know, you need to really like help grow your scene. So when those bigger artists come through and you jump on the show, like you've grown that, that scene for them in a way, you know, for yourselves, but, um, it makes the band that the headliner band come through on, that's on tour. It makes them think like, oh man, we got to come back here, you know? Um, so uh, I would definitely say, like, work hard, put on good shows, bring in cool bands, and really grow your scene. Again, that can be a whole nother whole, whole different podcast. But, um, did I say a whole nother? I said a whole nother, didn't I? Um, <clears throat> so yeah, we're, we're, we're touring. Like, things are going great. Like, people are showing up. We're, you know, we're bringing in like 150, 200 people to these shows. And, uh, and then we uh, we had signed. So okay, going back to the song. Before I get too far off of this, the song called "Doing Work." The song is called "Doing Work." Um, so I mentioned in there, if you listen to the lyrics, I mentioned um, we uh, okay. So we signed a deal with a label that we were really excited about because it was a, it was kind of a known label and um like Slightly Stupid had been on there and they did they did an album and there was association with UB40 another band that I love and there was a in one of our old pictures one of our first like band photos that like my mom took or somebody in our living room uh it was like for our like one of our first shows before we went to the show, like we got a picture of the three of us and one of us in the picture is wearing the, the shirt of the label. And it, it was, so it felt like 10 years later, here we are full circle, you know, after we'd like worn that shirt in one of the first, the infancy of the band in one of our shots, one of our pictures. And then here we are signing with this label and like, I'm not going to sit here and talk shit or anything like that Um, because I know they've had some success on that label, but it definitely felt like there wasn't much attention for us. There wasn't much enthusiasm and it kind of felt like we were just a paycheck, you know, paying the rent. And it was like depressing after a while. So we had signed this deal, and it was a re-release of Cheers, our third record. Now, now remember, we had already had Cheers out for like a, like a year. Yeah, it'd been on a little over a year when it when it got re-released, and I had it up on CD Baby. I was using CD Baby as distribution, and uh, we were—I mean, we were making like three grand a month just on the CD Baby checks, you know, not including shows. And that was really good. I thought that was amazing for an indie band that, you know, just a baby band at the time. And uh, so we signed that deal. We were excited. I was like perturbed, I guess, because they changed the cover from the original and they cut off six tracks from the original track list. We had 18 songs on this at first and everything was fine. Everybody was happy. You know, all the all the fans, the listeners were were stoked about the record. And looking back, it was like, why change it? There was no reason to change it. And when we re-released, I remember thinking, like, okay, you're changing the cover art, you're cutting the songs down, you know, and this is like knives in my heart, you know, like it's it's our art, you know, and um just like butchering our baby. But I just took it as like, all right, play the game, play the game. Like this, this is just what, what we have to do. And, uh, at the end of the day, the songs were getting out there again and whatever. So, um, we signed the deal and then all of a sudden, you know, this, this money goes away. I mean, it made sense because we can't double distribute, you know, so it had to be one distributor. And, uh, And then it was like worked into the deal was like this, this merch deal where like, uh, they, they're taking a cut of the merch and the touring and, and, you know, we're, we're a baby band at this time. And it just felt like, you know, I look back and I'm like, what the things we could have done with that money that we saved, you know, um, we could have bought a better vehicle or something, you know, um, we could have stayed in hotels a lot sooner than we did because the band was actually doing pretty good business, you know? And we didn't start doing hotels until 2013. Um, We were staying with people wherever we could for the first, you know, seven years of touring. That's a long time. And uh, so when, uh, once we kind of realized what was going on and, we were kind of being fucked we we just had a sour attitude towards it and we couldn't wait to get out of the deal you know and um so uh so that was weird and i was i remember thinking like you know we were excited we were pumped to sign to a label and you know we pl- i remember we played a show in Annapolis and the place was sold out and we were like, we just signed and everybody was so stoked and just felt like a great moment. Um, and it felt like things were on the up, you know, which I say, things were, things were, things were moving right along. Um, people singing all the songs and, uh, and our manager let, let that happen. And so that was kind of like the first major thing. And then, and then, uh, like later that year, um because it didn't take long, it was like several months where we were like, "Oh man, we're like losing money, and they're not doing anything. They weren't doing anything. The label wasn't helping push the record at all. I feel like if you're gonna give people a cut of the money, um that they should be doing something contributing to help to help grow the band or get the music out there, and they weren't doing anything um so. We met a guy who had signed, who had signed a friend of uh, some some friends of ours, signed their band to his label, and he was like a millionaire, like a multi millionaire, and he didn't know much about he didn't know anything about running a label. I think he just he made his money elsewhere and decided he was going to start a label, and it was kind of exciting. Again, Um, and they had a great experience, like they had signed with him and they bought all this new gear and. We' were like, "Oh shit, like this guy wants to work with us now, like that could totally be us, So we signed a record deal um for one point two million dollars, and <clears throat> yeah, even saying it out loud is is like. <laughs> We signed this deal for $1.2 million and it was over the course of several records two three or four records. And like the first record was like, you know, a hundred thousand dollars or something like that. And I'm thinking like we can make a record and like pocket 50 grand, you know, like it's, it's just uh, it recording has come way down, you know, <clears throat> but we didn't really have like the business mindset of uh, the mindset of, like what to do. And we didn't act on it. And our manager didn't act on it. And again, looking back, it's always hindsight, right? Looking back, you're just like, what the fuck happened? Like we could, we, you know, we, we could have used that money and really worked that deal. So we signed the deal and it didn't really hit me at the time when we signed. It. I'm like, okay, this is weird. Like, wow, this is there's money and whatever and then a month goes by and we hadn't really d- talked about anything we hadn't you know like our manager didn't say anything about it and um <clears throat> the management i have now they would have been all over that you know all right i gotta do some ad reads we'll be right back you still there oh you Okay. All right. We're good, right? Are we cool? Okay. Back to my story. So a month goes by and it's actually my birthday and we're playing this college at Duke University, 2009. And it's us and Cage the Elephant, who at the time didn't realize who it was. They had a tour bus and they were parked next door to our van. They played, they played the same show. And uh, so we were opening for them. And they had just had that song, that first single out, and uh No Rest for the Wicked. But I had no idea who it was, you know, and we're just talking to the guitar player, this guy, I think his name's Brad, just talking to him for a bit, just you know, just shooting the shit. And uh so earlier that day, we get an email. We'd driven overnight to get to this this gig. And no one fucking cared that we played by the way we played. And it was like, we we're at one side of the quad and everybody else is at the other end drinking. Cause they, we were like, why didn't they put the beer tents right in front of the stage? Instead, instead they're like a football field away. And like, no one is hanging out by the stage. <laughs> I think I remember like three people. And thank you to those three people that were watching. Um, I have a recording of that. Somebody recorded the, the set too. I had that somewhere. Um, so like, yeah, earlier that day, we had driven overnight for this thing. It was my birthday. You know, we were tired. It was, you know, we're, like, tearing our asses off. And uh, we get an email from the label that we just signed with a month earlier, and they're like, uh, yeah, the label's folding in 45 days, so, yeah, sorry. And we're just like, ah, cool, cool. Our luck, right? Um. So not long after that, we fired our manager. Needless to say, it was just like, man, where were you? What, what were you doing? Why were we not paying attention? How come you were not on top of this? And at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you want to put blame on somebody, but like, maybe we should have known better. Maybe we should have uh, acted. And maybe we should have put him on the stuff, came up with the ideas and made it happen. But you know, whatever, you can't change it. Right. Can't change the past. And it, we just didn't know, we didn't know any better. So everything that we've learned, we've learned on our own. We've learned the hard way. No one's ever told us shit, you know, th- obviously. Yeah. There's been a few key things here and there, but, um, we've grinded so hard and like, uh, that's part of why I started this podcast is because, I mean, that's really the reason I started this podcast is because I want people to kind of avoid those pitfalls if possible. Uh, I think everybody needs Everybody needs to sleep on floors and, um, you know, play shit shows where no one shows up and not get paid and, uh, you know, have the van break down or the trailer break down. You know, I think everyone needs to go through that uh, because you need to be able to appreciate when you finally get there. You know, when you finally get to a point where there's people, you know, you're pulling in two, to f- two, three, 500 people at a show and they're singing all the songs and you're streaming well on Spotify, you need to be able to appreciate that by looking back and saying, oh my God, we made it. We made it through all that, you know? Um, that song, Gas Station Burrito, is like all about touring and all the crazy shit. Um, so, yeah, so we got a new manager in, uh, I think, 2010 and... um you know, things started looking up again. <clears throat> Got our first crew guys, and that was cool, you know, for setting up the gear and driving the van and stuff. <clears throat> uh, we met the Pepper guys um, officially at a show because I'd kind of been in contact with Brett uh, for like a couple of years before the Enyasad as well um, for like a couple of years leading up to that. And I think they saw what we were doing and they just had their eye on us. And we just kept going we just kept doing what we were doing uh so we finally we had a meeting at the nine thirty club in d c they came through and they' like a surgeon tour where they i don't know if anybody remembers this but they were dressed up as uh they had scrubs on and like the whole back that whole background with like it looked like a like a doctor's office or a uh it was or an operating room or something and I think that record stitches was out um love that record guys by the way the pepper e p um so, uh, met up with those guys and we talked about possibly doing a record for Law Records, their label. Um, and we were stoked, man, you know, cause those guys had a lot going on and, um, they're one of the heavy hitters in the scene. So we wanted to be associated with them and they were also very nice. Um, so not long after that, we, uh, I guess they, they worked up the contract and we, we went back and forth a few times came up with something we agreed on, and we released the record. Well, they gave us some money, and we recorded in, uh, I think it was March of 2011. And we put it out in September of 2011, that fall, and then went on tour with those guys. And it was just like, all of a sudden, things were popping again, you know? So you see where I'm going here. It's like, you start here, you go up, some bad shit happens you go back up again. It's like this weird roller coaster of emotion and, um, frustration and stress and anger and happiness and stoke, stokeage. And, you know, um, so we put out the record, everything was going well. We, uh, we went to uh warp tour. We did warp tour for the first time in 2012. We sold 2,400 copies of the record in two months. We had Greg from cashed out. He wasn't in cashed out yet, but, uh, he was one of the producers and uh, co-writers on the, on the, that record with us. And so he came out on Warped Tour and we ro- rode around in a, in, a, in a Sprinter that was converted with bunks and stuff. Um, rode around with him. And at the time that the Sprinter that we had, they had this issue with the the vents up top that, um, you know, and it, so with Warped Tour, it's super hot, brutal all the time. And we're blasting the AC, right? Well, that combination creates condensation. And in the inside, uh, up top, this water would just pull up in this like, up there, right? So if you were sitting in the, in the middle seat, the middle, I guess, bench, part of the couch, um, as soon as you take like a, like a left turn, <laughs> like a gallon of water would spill all over you. It would come right down right from the, oh my God, we called it, we called it the no phone zone, the no laptop zone. <laughs> and we would like, we would just like forget, you know, for the first couple of weeks, we would just forget about it. And, uh, <laughs> I, Greg got dumped on, I got dumped on like, oh man, it was, it was fun. Um, yeah. So he was out there like, like hustling hard like uh greg is really good if you haven't met greg like he's a total hustler if you have met him you've seen him you've seen him working um but we put the uh we had a a hand truck that we tied down a speaker and a mixer and uh, plugged in like an iphone or something or an ipod and we had the uh We had the new record Daydreams blasting and he would just push it to the front, to the line every, every morning. He was wearing a sombrero. He had a backpack full of CDs and he would just push this loud fucking boombox thing that we created out there to the, to the line. And that's one thing about Warped Souls, you got to work hard, man. You got to like, especially if you're a baby band and you're not one of the headliners, those guys can sit on the bus all day and get their tour managers to go get them lunch and shit. Like, we were out there fucking hustling. We made uh, giant posters and we're walking around. Got to let people know what stage you're on, what time you're playing. And it changes every day. You could, you could play at 11.30, 12 o'clock, you know, noon, or you could play at 8 o'clock at night. So, you're, it's just, you never know day to day. And uh, it was fun. It was brutal, but it was fun. Um, and so, like, after that summer, you know, the record had been out almost a year. At that point, after that summer, it was just like, things are really popping. Things are moving. Um, and I, and I want to thank uh, the Pepper guys and Law Records for, for taking care of us on that tour and um, giving us the money to record, to kind of like, you know, spring mount us and uh, or springboard us, I guess. Uh, really appreciate all their hard work and um, the relationship that we have. And we still talk to those guys. They're great. Um. So things are moving right along, right? And uh, now it's, you know, the record's been out for, you know, a year and a half, and we're thinking about a new record. And we decided that we were going to create our own label, Right Coast Records, and try it out ourselves. You know, we had done it before. We'd done it before. But, but now we have this knowledge of how to, how to work a record, how to market. And we had an insane tour ethic, you know, our, our tour ethic was just the, the, the motto was on tour forever. And I would put that on the flyers and stuff on tour forever. Like there's, you know, we would tour like 250 days a year. Um, you know, that's insane when there's 365 days in a year, we're out for 250 of them, you know? And by this point I already had, my son was here. Um, And, uh, that was tough, you know? So 2013 rolls around and it's time to make a record. We got Coast Records all set up. So we get back in the studio and like, I think the end of January of 2013. And, uh, we worked for, we, that whole time, but that, those, those few records was always, we always had to make a record between tours There was never any time. So like, I think we did daydreams in like two and a half, three weeks. And we did pineapple grenade in like two weeks or something. And we didn't have like songs fully written. Like we had maybe about half of each record done. And then the rest was like jams and ideas and, and basic kind of demos with a chorus and a verse or something that, that needed a bridge, needed an intro, needed an outro, you know? Um, Needed lyrics. A lot of the songs needed lyrics, and I get stressed out when I when I'm like crunching for lyrics. Um, so uh, we got in there, we made it happen, and we put the record out in June 2013. Now uh, I do need to go back because in during 2012, um, we had the management we were working with had a radio guy and Brett Greenberg and he crushed it for us. He went in there and he got us added to like six stations, like six major stations plus Sirius XM. They were playing us on Faction. They were playing a song called Last Night. Um and they were playing the shit out of it too. Oh my god, those checks were awesome, you know. Uh the royalty checks on Sirius are serious. (laughs) Um, So he had us playing on the radio, you know, we were doing these radio festivals, you know, we were, we were like getting, we had ads, but then we were also getting spins, like unofficial like spins all around the country on major stations at random parts of the day. And then uh, even, even our local radio station here, at HFS, when they came back, they were playing last night. And all of a sudden, it was just like the shows were exploding, man. We were selling out shows. We were selling a lot of tickets. We were moving CDs. Um, this is like when Spotify and that shit wasn't very popular yet. you know. So we were moving CDs. We were selling, we were selling iTunes downloads. Um, it was a very exciting time. We did this tour uh, with... Uh, I think we went out with tribal seeds in the like the fall of 2012, and that went okay. It was it was like it just wasn't the right audience for us, I think. Um, but then uh, yeah, so 2013 we make Pineapple Grenade, we put it out, we go out with uh, Authority Zero and Versus the World, we're crushing it, you know. Um, and then suddenly there was this twist, which I mentioned in the song, doing work because that's what we're talking about, doing work. Um, I mentioned uh, how suddenly one of the lines is uh suddenly uh suddenly it wasn't cool to play guitar in a rock song and um i love that line and what i mean is it's like all of a sudden there were these uh these bands like the lumineers and um i think uh like uh like fits and the tantrums was on the radio at that time when we were when we were working our singles um God, what else? M eighty three, I think they're called. Um, There's, there's, there's like alternative music turned into like dance music suddenly, Um, or it's like it was either either like dance pop or like uh, folky stomp rock, right, with acoustic guitars, and we were like, I've always seen this as a rock band that plays reggae, a reggae rock band, and um, so like. We just weren't getting the love anymore, and there were certain stations that we'd built relationships with that were still spinning us. They were, you know, I'm very appreciative, like Danny Spanks at, at, at Crab Radio in, in uh, Bakersfield, um, Wendy Rollins when when she was in Philly, uh, Mike Jones at DC 101, like these these people, like you know Nancy over there at uh, at the uh, the Arizona station, the Phoenix station. I can't remember uh, KU KUKQ, I think. Um, we had built these nice relationships, and and thank you guys very much. Um, but, like, they just didn't care to play play the band anymore. And so that started getting old. And it felt like there was this plateau all of a sudden, because the, the genre that, that we're in was really the big bands now at this point and still today were, like, the roots reggae bands, the, the American roots reggae bands and when we were when we were starting to come up it it felt like the rock stuff had a place well now it's like we were feeling like it wasn't there wasn't a place for us and what do we do you know um i feel like we've always st- we've always stuck to our values we've always stuck to like the mentality you know i have a very stick to your guns point of view um but i also feel like you need to play the game a little bit um You know, so it just felt like things had plateaued a little bit. And I was starting to get really frustrated. And we were doing all these tours. We were still touring very heavy. And I had another kid on the way. (laughs) Um, That's what I do between tours. I just, I make kids. I make albums and kids. Not anymore, baby. All done with that. I'll have a whole video about vasectomy. Uh probably sometime next year. (laughs) Um, so, uh, it got really frustrating, you know, and I felt like I was letting my family down. I felt like being away all that time was, what, what was it for, you know, because family is everything and I'm missing time with my kids, you know, and it's, and my fiance. And it's like, what, what, what am I doing? What am I doing here? You know, uh, you start to doubt yourself. You start to feel like, this, is this even worth it? You know, we've been working so hard for so long. And, uh, you know, by 2015, that's, you know, the band's 20 years old, you know, we started the, the band in 1995. Uh, so things just got really weird and dark for a while. Um, So all of these things, all of these things that we had gone through, you know, this, the the personnel changes, you know, staff or whatever, crew guys and management and uh, band members, you know, people changing. It's like a revolving door, you know. It's what it felt like, and uh, it just made me think, like you just got to you just got to work you, you got to work you got to work and you got to work some more there's there's no um just when you feel like you've you've attained something just when you feel like you've made it or like things are going really great don't rest you have to keep pushing you have to keep moving forward there's uh because there are people right alongside you that are going for the same things it's not a competition. It's not a race. I think there's a place for, for everybody. But it's very hard to stand out these days, especially with streaming being what it is. It really leveled the playing field so much that it's become saturated. And you need to be looking and sounding great and have great songs and have a great live show to really stand out. Um, And I feel like we have... A lot of those things on lock, but it's just, it's just the nature of the business. You know, things change all the time. Everything that I learned in the nineties and two thousands, you know, we wanted to be on labels. We wanted to be on a major label and we wanted to be on SNL and, uh, the cover of the Rolling Stone and all that. It's just the reality of it, you know? Um, so, uh, this sounds like it's going to get depressing, right? Um, It's really not. I promise. There's a happy ending. Um, But yeah, so that's what that song is about. Doing work. It's about like being focused, being driven, not letting anything get in the way. And bad shit is gonna happen. But you need to be able to pick yourself up and move forward. Um, Not being stifled. Uh, Things are overwhelming. Things are daunting. You have to develop thick skin if you want to be in this business. If you want to pursue the path of an artist, um, by design, it is it is not made for this world is not made for you, and you have to you have to carve your own spot. You have to carve your own place. I knew that I didn't want to be. I knew from a young age that I didn't want to be a, a worker bee. I want to be my own boss. I don't want to answer to anyone. I want to create my own thing. And I want to, I want to go hard. And coming up all these years later, this band's, I've been been doing this 25 years as of next year, 2020. And uh, been through it all, man. And the only thing that stays, stands true today is work. Your work ethic has to be off the charts. Um, And as long as you are, it's called work, but as long as you love it, it doesn't feel like work. It's not work. It ain't work if you love it. And um, if you're doing something that that you don't want to do, you're not happy with where you're at, you don't like the job that you have, you can change that. The only person standing in your way is you. There's You can't blame anyone else, no matter what your situation is. It depends on how bad you want it. And some people have really awful situations, you know. Um, people are born into bad situations. And people are, they don't necessarily have the support system around them to help them think you know, to help them realize that they can, they can do something, they can strive for something better. Some people settle. And if you're one of those people that you're watching this right now, you're listening to this right now, and you're not, uh, you're like, well, I am happy. I don't, I'm fine with this job. Well, then you've already won. There's no, you know, there, you can, if you're doing what you love and, or, or like you're happy with your situation, then, you know, You've already won. There's no, I don't know. Maybe this is just entertainment for you, but, um, but don't be one of those people that's like, I really want to do this, but, 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 but it's just excuses, you know? And I still make excuses. I find myself make excuses. "Ah, I don't want That's just like, I'm like, I'm just being fucking lazy. You know, you got to call yourself out sometimes. You have to realize what's going on. What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your time when you're when you're not at work? Because look, you know if it's something that you can you can do this from any age, you can do this from any point in your life. You know we're if you're in your thirties or forties, I mean we still got like forty to fifty years to go. You know what I mean? So like when I look back, when I'm on my deathbed, hopefully I get the the uh, the pleasure or the opportunity to be on a deathbed where I can say goodbyes and look back on my life and not be taken out suddenly um, in a tragic accident or something. Um, When I look back 50 years from now, I want to be like, fuck, I did that shit. I tried. And even if you don't attain what you're going for, it's not necessarily a failure. You tried, you know, you went for it. You went hard. And that would be the biggest tragedy for me is like having not tried at all. So, um... You know, if if you're working and you have a family, and you're in a situation where you're just like, oh my god, I can't. If I make some kind of crazy change, you know, it's going to really disrupt things. You have to be a disruptor. You know, it depends on how much you want it. You can make it that you can make all this stuff happen. It's just you need to you need to use your time. Go to work, make your money, get your kids on the bus, get your you know. Get lunch and dinner. Do those things. Your kids have activities. They got to go to Little League and things like that. That's life. That's life happening. What are you doing after those hours when those kids are in bed? You know, what are you doing from 8 o'clock to midnight? It's like, use that time to go online and learn about the thing that you, that you want to do, the craft. If, you're, if you want to be a mixing engineer, go on YouTube, sign up for Skillshare, sign up for that. They got a free trial for like a month or something. Go, go consume everything, learn how to do those things. You know, If you uh, are really good at cooking, start a cooking show on YouTube. It's free. I'm streaming for free right now on YouTube. It's like you can go on and just set the camera on yourself and it can be your phone. It can be your phone. It doesn't have to be, you know, a, a Canon M50. You like, you can work up to getting better gear, but you can set up your phone with a tripod in your kitchen and start cooking on YouTube and giving recipes and just talking about what you're doing and get getting people to comment back. And you you will grow following. It's crazy. You can talk about anything. You can you can talk about padded envelopes. You be like, you know, I really like this padded envelope because, you know, it's like you wouldn't believe that these niche. Uh, subjects that actually have an audience um, the thing that's fun to you it can it can become income at some point you know at least supplemental at some point um, I don't know I don't want to beat a dead horse on this um, but people ask me a lot you know, how do you do this? how do you get here? what are you doing to make this happen? And the biggest thing is just do it. Just do it. Stop being afraid. Stop worrying about what other people are going to say. Um, you know, when I was doing this podcast, I remember thinking like, nobody's going to want to listen to this. But I, I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to record something, something I know. Always talk about the thing that you know the most, not something that you you're, you're kind of shady on. Always talk about the thing you know the most. Because if you don't know about it, your audience is going to know right away and your credibility goes out the window and they don't care. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do a podcast or at least one episode about starting a band. What, what to do when starting a band, the things I wish I would have done when we started the band, stuff like that. And I put it out there. It was like 20 or 30 minutes long and people loved it. So I did another one and then I did another one. Now I'm approaching episode 100. You know, this is episode 95. And I get people commenting at the at the at the merch table most nights, like, "Dude, I love your podcast." Or they're wearing the the Tales from the Green Room T shirt, or you know, they're asking for stickers. And um, people are getting value from it; it's amazing. The YouTube channel, for, exa- for example, um, I put up some videos of me just kind of talking about my day, you know, like a little some vlogging stuff. And I remember thinking, like, "Oh man, I don't really think I look good on camera," and. I don't know. I don't think I'm a very, very good speaker. You know, I got a zit, you know, that kind of stuff. Like nobody's going to care. I don't know. I just, I, I recorded myself and I put it up, I uploaded to YouTube and it was fine. You know, (laughs) Um, I did an acoustic song and people started loving that. I was doing them every day for a while. You know, it's, it's crazy. My subscribers went way up. It's, people will find value if you make a connection, you know? If you talk about, if you just get out there and you just talk, every time you're on, people get to know you a little bit more, you know? You build this trust, it's organic, you know? And uh, I don't know. So I'm starting to get away from the point, but um, yeah. So doing work is pretty much, that's what this whole record is centered around. It was just this, this right here, is the product of my work ethic and the product of my love for the craft and the excitement, my love for the the adrenaline rush that I get when I upload a song and it goes worldwide, it's global. The feeling of like, you know, sitting here with this printer and this scale and these padded envelopes and these labels and sending out T-shirts and CDs to people, um, you know, that have fallen in love with the music and, and or just flat out just want to support me. Like that is huge, you know, and none of that would have happened. None of this would be here right now if it wasn't for you and everyone else that that listens to, to my music and watches my videos and listens to my podcasts and comes to the Ballyhoo shows, you know. Um, we worked really hard over the years to, to get this stuff out and to sort of make a name for ourselves. And I'm, um, I'm so glad that I, that I stuck to my guns like I did and didn't get some, some job that I hated and, you know, paid for school that I didn't enjoy. Uh, and, and, you know, came out with that debt, you know, it's, it's, ai uh, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy where I'm at. I'm happy where I'm going. And, um, you know, you guys are all part of that. You guys made this shit happen for us. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's doing work. Um, the other funny tidbit is I, I wrote doing work like the day before I had to, I finished writing it the night that I uploaded this. I started it. It took me like two days to write it. I finished writing the song, recorded it. I record, I was writing while I was recording it. I didn't have any lyrics. I was just saying, singing lyrics and, getting it right and then mixed it, mastered it. And I, I uploaded it as soon as I had the master and I was working on the art like that past week. So that's what the art is. Um, completely self-produced it's, it's an achievement for myself. I feel very accomplished having put this out. It took a lot of work. My family was very uh, supportive the whole time and understanding because I wasn't around very much for, for a few weeks working on this stuff and i i thank them very much very very much i thank them very much um thank them very much i'm very grateful and i thank you all for streaming and watching the videos and listening to the music and um yeah so that's doing work uh if you don't have the record go grab it it's called the force of habit it looks like this um i've got I've got like 14 cds left out of the 100 that I ordered. So, um, and I've got these stickers, stickers as well. Um, You can go to my website, howiespangler.com, you can grab it there or just go stream it to Spotify and Apple Music. Please just share the link. Just, you know, let everybody know that that it's out there. We've got like almost 25,000 streams right now for the record. So I'm stoked, man. I call that a win. I'm happy as shit. Thank you all very much. Um, Word. All right. Uh, The next one, the next podcast, we're going to talk about a song called Smash. So that'll be episode ninety six. That'll be out next week. Um, I did. You guys enjoy this uh, this video podcast? Let me know. Um, leave leave comments if you would if you wouldn't mind. Like leave a like on the video and make sure you subscribe if you will to my channel and uh, leave some comments on the video. Let me know what you thought. Like, do you like this angle? Do I need to change this tree around a little bit? Do you like this picture of my dad and me and my brothers? Uh, what? Do you, let me know. Hit me up. All right. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you guys very much. Um, have a wonderful day. Come see us at uh, Ocean City tonight. Me and Brandon are going to play at, uh, at Secrets in Ocean City. Oh, okay. Let me answer these questions real quick. Um, Lisa's phenomenal. Oh, thanks, Lisa. Appreciate it. What up, Colin? What up, John? What up, Monica? Good to see you again. Doing work in Detonator like fuel and trying to use, the, use uh, to propel out of the rat race. See, this is exactly what I'm talking about. This is right here killer songs is super grateful for the work you put in trying to motivate and sharing your experience this is exactly what i'm talking about right here like if i can if me just being on here talking about you know everything that i've been through and kind of showing off the work like uh if that gets you motivated and that lights a fire that that makes me feel fucking great man i feel like i've won you know um and uh that's amazing so yeah steven go get it man go go I don't know what you're doing, like what your, what your craft is, but go get it, dude. Get out of the rat race. Make yourself happy. Monica, I love sharing your music with everyone in my life. Yeah, thank you so much. Biko too, bless. Thank you very much. We need more Batman in the background. Is that, is that what it is? All right, cool. Nice. Um, well, guys, thank you very much. I'm Howie Spangler. This is Tales from the Green Room, episode number 95. Uh, we talked about doing work, from the Force of Habit EP. Go grab it, go stream it, tell all your friends. I'll see you in Ocean City tonight and uh, catch the podcast next week. Make sure you subscribe over there as well. Thank you.